Uh, we are jumping into this brand new series on the book of James. I love the book of James. All of God's word is good stuff, isn't that right? All of it, from Genesis to Revelation, even the maps in the back. Come on, the whole Bible is good. I love the book of James because it's one of the most practical books in the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you are new in your relationship with God, James would be a great book for you just to check out and read. It only takes you about 20 minutes to read the entire book of James. So as we're going through this series, it may even be a cool thing for us as a church just to uh, maybe take a, a chapter a day. And so Monday through Friday, you would just read a chapter a day of that and come back fired up and ready to go on Sunday. But this is going to be a great, great series looking at the book of James and learning why it's important to be real because being fake is so exhausting. How many guys know that there are a lot of pretenders in our world, a lot of posers, right? You don't have to point at them if they're in here, but there are a lot of different people who want to pretend and uh, who want to try and fake it until you can make it. And so they typically find out in, in pretty short order that being fake is exhausting. Some people like to pretend that they're rich while they are racking up the credit card debt, but at some point, payday comes, right? And they're going, okay, that wasn't such a good move. Some people like to pretend like they're smart so they can get some special degree for some special school, but they're paying somebody else to take the test or to write the paper and they're faking it and then they get caught for cheating. How about you? Have you ever found some like small ways, just daily ways that you are tempted to pretend? I know that this past week my car broke down. I had to take it into the shop have you ever noticed that people who work on cars speak a different language than the rest of us? Have you ever noticed that before? He said, I think it may be your carburetor, catalytic converter, serotonin belt trip right here. And, and I said, that's what I thought it was. I mean, I don't even want to pretend <laughs> like I didn't know, so I pretend like I do know. And then at some point, you know, when he tells me how much it costs, he could be saying it's a million dollars to fix that. And I was like, I was prepared for that. You know, no matter what it was. Or have you ever had a moment to where you were talking to somebody that came up and said hi and you couldn't remember their name and you were tempted to pretend and fake it? Come on, wave at me right now if you know what I'm talking about. Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? I was speaking at a youth convention one time, and uh, I don't remember the state I, I, I was in. I don't remember what I think that we were in Ohio, and uh, I was walking through the, the, uh, the, the, the lobby there of the hotel and the convention center, I was walking through, and it was just packed with students, packed with teenagers everywhere, and so when you're speaking somewhere like that, they've got posters and stuff, so some of the kids may recognize you or whatever, and so as I was walking through the lobby, this kid from like across the room, over all of these other people says, hey, there's Scotty Gibbons, hey! Hey, and I stop and I turn around. He's like, what's up? Like that. And I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? Like that. He said, hey, do you remember me? I just froze. I just thought, oh, dear Jesus. And it was one of those moments where you feel like everybody else in the room was like, looking over to see if you remembered, right? And man, in that moment, I had a choice to make. And so I said, no, man, I'm sorry. I can't remember your name. Please forgive me. He said, oh, that's okay. We never met. I just wanted to see if you'd lie. All right, man. <laughs> I wanted to punch that boy right there in front of everybody. 
But I was glad in that moment that I did not fake it or pretend because he would have caught me red-handed right there. Now, I know that nobody likes to admit that at times we fall into the trap of pretending at some point or other in our lives. But usually it doesn't take us very long to realize that faking it can get old really, really fast. When you read the book of James, this is his appeal to say, don't fake it, don't pretend as it relates to your walk with God. Don't play games. Don't put on a front. This is not charades. you got to make sure that you have genuine faith, that you have real faith. And James will show us multiple times there is such thing as a false or a fake faith. So he's appealing to us saying, be careful that you don't fall into the trap of playing a game as it relates to your walk with God because you'll find out not only is it exhausting, but it is literally, ultimately even destructive. Now as you read through the book of James, there are several key verses that will jump out to you. Let me highlight just a few of them. The first one is in James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22, where it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Come on, everybody say, do what it says. Do what it says. He's saying, don't deceive yourself. Did you know that you could get so caught up in playing a game to where you begin to, like, deceive yourself? Have you ever seen that happen? Maybe you've seen it happen in your own life. Maybe you've seen it happen in somebody else's life to where now they're actually believing the game that they're playing. And James is saying, you've got to be careful when you start faking it, when you start pretending in your walk with God, because all of a sudden you'll think instead of like listening to the word and allowing the word to change you and living that word out, now you'll find yourself playing a game just because you hear it, just because you know it, you think that that's the same thing. He says, don't do that. Don't deceive yourselves. Here's another key verse. James chapter 2, verse 17. He says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Look at that verse again. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is, what does it say? Dead. So again, here's what he's showing us. There is a faith that is no faith at all. Did you catch that? Look at it. He says, so also faith by itself if it does not have works, it's not dead, or it's dead, or another version says, it's no faith at all. There is a faith that is not a saving faith. There is a faith that is not a true faith. There is a faith that is not a genuine faith. There is a faith that is not a real faith. In the very next verse, he says, you know what, when you're thinking that you have faith, but there's no fruit that goes back to the root of faith, when there's no expression of that faith, he's not talking about works-based salvation. In other words, what he's not saying is when you are good enough, then that's good enough faith. No, what he's saying is when there's been a genuine change and conversion on the inside of you, that should be expressed and, 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 and manifest in the life that you live out. And when a person just says, well, I have it, but there's no fruit, there's no life change, there's no manifestation of that, James is saying, you better test yourself examine yourself because there is a faith that does not save. He says, even the demons believe in God. See, there is a belief that is no belief at all. There's a head knowledge that is not a heart change. Are you picking up right now what James is putting down? Are you catching this? 
He says, so you've got to make sure that you have a real faith, a genuine faith, because faking it is exhausting. Look at this summary of it, because the last verse of the entire book of James, it really sums up his heart and the whole purpose of his writing. The goal is to keep people from wandering off into fake Christianity that does not save. Listen to it in James chapter 5, verse 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That verse sums up the book. It sums up the letter. As James is writing, saying there is a faith that does not save, and then there is a genuine faith. There is a fake faith. There is a real faith. And so what he does throughout this letter is he provides for us a series of tests that you and I can use to examine. What does a test do? It examines to see whether or not we have a true faith. There are churches all over our world today that have countless people sitting in the services, listening to the preacher preach, hearing, hearing the Word of God, even nodding, perhaps even saying amen. And James is saying, hearer only doesn't cut it. Head knowledge doesn't get you there. You can play a game. You can fake a life. You can even follow a routine, but there is a faith that does not save. And we say, well, I don't want that. I want the real stuff. James says that I'm going to give you some tests. He gives us these tests to evaluate, and it helps us to see that our faith is real or it's not through several areas. One is through trials. One is through temptations. One is through, and we're going to look and see how our words reflect the glory of God, or through our humility, and then also through our prayers. Today, our topic is being real in the midst of our trials, and we're going to stop or start the series here by stopping off in the first couple of verses appropriately as James begins his book or this letter, and it will be where we start this series, James chapter 1, verse 2. Let's look at it together. Being real in the midst of our trials, James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Let's all say that together. Consider it pure joy. Come on, at all of our campuses, let's say it again. Consider it pure joy. Now, you better hold on to those words because you know where this verse is going. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when? Whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face what? Trials of many kinds. See, so many Christians want to pretend like they never have storms. There are a lot of Christians who want to play like it never gets hard for them. They don't want anyone to know that they are going through financial tests or trials. They are embarrassed about going through some emotional struggles, so they fake it. 
They're ashamed to admit that they are going through relational trials, that their marriage is on the rocks, or, or that there's some relationship that has been strained. And so they put on this front, and they smile on the outside while they are dying and falling apart on the inside. And some will say, but wait a minute, isn't that what James just told us to do? He said, no matter what, we're supposed to count it all joy. Well, what is James talking about? Well, first of all, let's just acknowledge what he's not talking about. James is not saying that you should be a glutton for punishment. Come on, there's nothing spiritual about just, come on, one more trial, Jesus. Come on, something else, Lord, just bankrupt me. You know, nobody needs to sign up for that. And if you think that that's what James is saying, you're missing the whole point. James is not saying you're supposed to get all giddy over it whenever you go through something difficult and you get hit by a car. Bless the Lord, at least it wasn't a bus. Count it all joy. That's not what James is saying. Nor is James suggesting that we cover up irresponsible living with Christian cliches. In other words, I may have gotten fired because I never showed up to work on time and I never had my responsibility done. I I never did what the boss told me, but I serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God be like, well, you know what? I want you to start by going to work. Don't worry about the cattle, okay? Just get to work on time. James is not saying live irresponsibly and then when something bad happens, count it all joy. He's not saying that. No, no, no. What is James saying? Well, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, you can write down a few thoughts. They'll be on the screen. Number one, he's telling us this. Number one, our faith will be tested. In other words, this is a mandatory situation. This is not an optional test. This is not a, if you choose to take this test, it will reveal as to whether or not your faith is genuine. Nobody gets to choose whether or not you take the test. All of our faith journeys will be tested. The issue is not whether or not we will. Notice those key words there in uh, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, somebody say whenever, Whenever you face trials of many kinds. He says, whenever, not if ever. And remember who he's talking to. In the first couple of verses, it talks about how James is writing this letter to the persecuted church that has been scattered all over. In other words, Christians who have been dispersed because of pain and hardship that had come their way. So it's not like this letter is falling on people who have it on easy street. But instead he's speaking to people who know what persecution is, who know what trials look like. And he's saying it's not a matter of if ever, but whenever. And notice he also says trials of many kinds. Do you ever notice about the time you get through one trial or one kind of trial, God sends you another test. You ever remember being at school one day and you'd be in one class and you take a test and and then show up at another class and there's another test? None of you probably ever objected and said, wait, I already took my last class, math. Teacher said, well, this is English. Get out your pen and paper. It's time to do this right now, right? Many kinds of tests. 
And just because we pass one test doesn't mean that the rest of the tests are over. But he's saying, listen, the issue is not if ever, but whenever. But you don't have to. Listen to what James is saying. You don't have to be surprised or afraid. Do you see what our Heavenly Father is doing? This is, he's saying, it's not going to be a pop quiz. Two of the most hated words in all of education. Pop quiz. Ah! But I didn't know. That's the point. Pop quiz. James is saying, I'm not even going to spring this one on. I want everybody to know. It's not if ever, it's whenever. Tests are going to come, and there are going to be all kinds of tests. You don't have to be surprised, and you certainly don't have to be afraid. Why would he say that? Because we tend to think of tests as being negative. But if you think about it, the only tests you ever dread are the ones that you are not prepared for. I mean, it didn't happen for me often, but come on, every now and then, if I knew the material, if I had studied adequately, if I was prepared, didn't happen often. But when it did, I love to hear that sound of, it's time for the test. You know why? Because this was my chance, this was my opportunity to show all that I would know. This was the chance for me to reveal. This was an opportunity for me to express that I am ready. I am prepared. And so what James is saying is you don't have to be surprised. They're coming. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because the same grace that saves you is the same grace that will sustain you through any trial you will ever, ever encounter. What is he saying? He said, yes, tests are going to come, but that does not have to be negative because what's happening is, is that the God in you will work through you. He will sustain you. He will hold you. He will protect you. He will guide you. But if you don't have him in you, the test will reveal what you don't know and what you don't have. See, people want to fake it. People want to pretend, and then the storms come. Now, all of a sudden, they're blaming God. They're abandoning God. They're not going to church anymore. They step out and say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, believe that God's word is true. I'm going to attend church service. But you know what? Just coming to church service, the blessing is not in the hearing. The blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing of the word. Okay, I'm going to forgive. I'm supposed to forgive. Then, 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 you know, I'll think about that. And, you know, I probably ought to forgive. But they don't carry out the forgiveness and go to that person. Or they don't let go of that. And they're still holding on to it. They start redefining what forgiveness means or looks like. And their situation, instead of saying, what does the word of God have to say about how I'm supposed to forgive? How many times I'm supposed to forgive? There's some people, they go to church. They sing the songs. And they get mad at God because their finances are a wreck. Instead of going, wait a minute, what does God's word say? Listen, the blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing. When you begin to honor God with that first 10%, and you say, this isn't even mine. This is the Lord's tithe. So for every dollar that you get, a dime, you give it back to God. And you say, God, I recognize the dollar came from you, and I'm giving that first 10% back because I trust that you will help me with the remaining 90%. You know what you're doing in that moment? You are activating your faith, not just faith by itself, but faith with works. Are you seeing this? You can fake it, but then all of a sudden you realize that's exhausting. Because you're pretending like you trust God, but you don't. You're not stepping out and obeying what he's told you to do. He's calling you to do something. He's speaking to your heart. You know what the, the test will do? Tests will reveal quickly 
the act and the charade, the condition of your heart, or it will confirm the authenticity of your faith. Last weekend, we had a storm sweep, sweep through. And uh, there at my house, there, was, there, were, there were limbs down, and there was actually this big, beautiful tree in our backyard that fell over. And uh, it, it was one of those things where all the kids were like, oh, that was our favorite tree. It was right by the playground. Let me show you a picture of this tree right here. This is a tree in our backyard. And it provided this big shade for us. The little playground was just to the side of it right there. And the girls were like, oh, that's just terrible. And you know what we would have thought before that happened? If you were just to look at the line of trees, it would have looked as pretty as all of the other trees. But then when it goes down, you realize, you know what? That tree was rotting on the inside. It wasn't able to stand the test of the storm that came through. The only person who should ever fear or be afraid of a spiritual test is a person who says, I don't have the real stuff in me. I'm about to collapse here. This is going to show it for what it is. Being fake is exhausting. Because now you're trying to live a Christian life without the Christ in your heart. You're trying to follow all of his commands without the power of his spirits. And James is saying, when tests come, not if, but when they come, what's happening is here, this, this test is going to confirm that you've got the real stuff. Or it's going to reveal that you've been playing a game. Well, there, it continues to show how and what that would mean and what it would look like as you look at number two here. When you have a genuine faith, trials will not destroy you, they will strengthen you when you have a genuine faith trials will not destroy you they will strengthen you look at it let's pick up with verse three because you know that the testing of your faith develops or produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything listen we take comfort in the fact that our God knows us but we should also take pleasure in the fact that our God grows us. We take comfort in the fact that our God knows us, but we should also delight and take pleasure in the fact that he grows us. Why? Because we would look silly physically if we stayed acting like, dressing like, looking like we did when we were two, three, four years old. It's cute to watch my little boy pretend like he's Superman. But if I had come out here today in my Superman pajamas doing all of this, some of y'all would have been running for the doors and calling for security. It's not cute anymore. It's cute if you go by the nursery area and you see the little babies that got the pacifier in their mouth and they've got their little diaper on. That's cute. It wouldn't be so cute if the person next to you was dressed like that right now this morning. Aren't you glad they didn't show up today sitting next to you looking like that? See, God loves us the way that we are. He accepts us the way that we are. He is, is, is a God who is patient with us the way we are, but he delights in who you will become as you grow and mature in your faith. We say it all the time that when you come to the church of God, that when you come to people's church, it is uh, fine for you to come to, just with all of, of all of our brokenness, all of our issues. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. But when you come into God's plan and purpose, you realize it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. God doesn't delight in us going, you come and you, you're just broken, I'll receive you. Now you just stay broken right there. 
It's okay for you to come with all of those things that would keep you bound and all those things that would defeat you. It's okay. I'll receive you like that, but I'm just going to leave you just like that. No, 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 no. He wants us to have a saving faith that is producing, that is growing, that is a developing. It is accomplishing something. God is at work. He's with you. He's in you. He's for you. God wants to grow you. When you go through your test, those growing pains are experienced. Those muscles are exercised and you become who God created you to be. Third and finally, number three is this. Your genuine faith will be rewarded. You can count it all joy because your genuine faith will be rewarded. Fake faith will be revealed. Genuine faith will be rewarded. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Listen, you can count it all joy because you know that there's a payday on the other side of your pain. Can you say amen to that? You can work through any of the difficulty and frustrations because you know that the payoff is worth it. Isn't that true of your job? Days you go in and the boss is being hard on you, the pressure is mounting, and the the deadlines are, are stacking up and all that you had. Listen, that's not what you get excited about. The reason you press through all of the challenge, the reason you persevere through all the difficulty is because you know that there's a payday on the other side of your perseverance if you will just not give up. So when your boss is talking, he's like, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing, you're going, mm, count it up, payday. That's all that you're thinking. No matter what they're saying, they're you're going, payday, payday, payday. That's what you're hearing because you know, listen, there is benefit If I'll stick with this, as an athlete, you push through, you persevere. I don't know what it is that you do to throw your eyes on the other side to get through. Maybe something at work. I know for me, when I travel with my kids, I got I got to give them mile markers. You know what I'm saying? I've got to give them like something to look forward to, or they will drive me and the whole car crazy. You know, are we there yet? I'm hungry now. Can we stop yet? And so what I've learned to do is get in and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. An hour and a half from now, here's where we're going to stop. Here's what we're going to eat. And here's one of the places that we always stop. This is one of the pictures. You go and pull that picture up. Here's payday right there. Come on, look at that. How many guys know that there are a few things in life that a Heath bar concrete with caramel and marshmallow from Andy's can't take care of? You know what I'm saying? Can somebody say amen to Andy's? Can you just know that that will bless you right there? One day we were on a trip and we were coming home and we stopped at an Andy's and we got there. My oldest daughter, Candace, said, y'all stopped at Andy's? I said, yeah, we stopped at Andy's. It was good. It was real good. She said, you didn't bring me an Andy's. I said, no, baby, we didn't bring you an Andy's. Why'd y'all stop at Andy's and you didn't bring me an Andy's? I said, because you don't get a treat without the trip. How many of you understand that James is teaching us you don't get a trophy without the trial? Listen, what we love to do is we love to be overcomers. We just don't want to have to face anything. We have to overcome. God never sends tests your way to trip you up. What loving father would ever do that? But because no, he knows that it's his strength at work in us 
when our faith is truly in him. He says, I've got you. I'm for you. I will carry you. Nothing will ever come against you that you can't handle. And because he knows that these tests are growing us into the people that he's called us to be, and because he knows that the reward of, of the reward that awaits us, he's like, this is going to be better. It's going to taste better. It's going to be sweeter. It's going to be more abundant. It's going to be more fulfilling than anything you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, you just may as well step back and count it all joy. Be real. Because being fake is exhausting. God wants you to have a real faith. Earlier this week, my grandmother passed away. 91 years old, woman of God. Love God, love Jesus. My little boy said, where's Mimi? I thought, how do you explain to a two-year-old where Mimi is? Then I started answering him and telling him where she was. I don't think it helped him at all. But boy, did it comfort me. Because when I was telling him where she is, I was like, and, and she's no more sickness, no more diabetes, no more blindness, no more deafness, no more sickness. Man, she's, she's with Jesus. She's getting her reward. God is lavishing her with love and blessing. And as I'm telling him all about where she was, I knew I was getting ready for this message. And I thought of all of the tests that she had endured. And I was able to say, count it all joy. It will be worth it. It will be worth it.